Welcome to Roadmap. Today's podcast. <laughs> today's podcast is: Do all products at AutoTrader have a UI? And with me today, I've got two big hitters. Well, they're at least taller than me. Do you want to introduce yourselves first up, Dell? So, what do you look after, Dell, and who you are? Yeah, so I am the product lead for our API platform, which is called AutoTrader Connect, and fundamentally that. API platform is all about trying to expose more of our data to the automotive industry and uh, provide capabilities to allow people to connect to different uh, parts of our marketplace, ultimately, so we can help the industry make better decisions and create better connected experiences. Awesome. And what about yourself, Pete? Um, I look after most of the, pretty much most things we do, which is kind of data related, so um everything from valuations to uh like marketplace metrics uh any kind of uh insight that we can provide to retailers to to help them make better decisions so uh, whether that's sourcing pricing um making decisions around stocking policies things like that then that's typically uh typically my area providence as well uh, vehicle history checks that kind of thing cool so it's pretty interesting because obviously you two are starting to work more and more together as we, we look, build out the platform and obviously data becomes more important. So how do you feel that this differs in terms of like when you look at colleagues that are working maybe on the autotrader.co.uk, you know, how do you two, the, the synergies you bring together and what differences do you find working maybe working together than you do from with colleagues working on maybe consumer facing apps? Do you want to kick off? Uh, yeah, I can, I can take this one. So... Um there's definitely a difference just in terms of so um this has been kind of a transition f- for myself over the last kind of four or five years where it's been a shift more towards uh a, a broader focus on on purely around the data and what uh, our data capability is prior to that i did work more on um even though there was data within those products it was very much uh what you might think of as more traditional kind of product development and products that you might make it as you say for consumers for retailers um and there's 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 big differences just in terms of um how you need to kind of conceptualize things um and it's uh it's a bit of a learning curve to kind of kind of divorce yourself away from a little bit in terms of the 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 experience for the end user because that's outside of your immediate control when yeah. you when you start moving more into the um, kind of the data platform type area so there's definitely a difference in terms of less interaction uh, with design colleagues for example um, and uh, you're working more with um, uh, engineers but it's a different type of engineering as well it's it's a lot of data science a lot of yeah. data analysis and stuff that goes on so it's uh, it's, it's it's different people that you're working with, people with different skill sets than what you might be used to uh, on kind of the more traditional kind of product development type type projects. Yeah, and what about yourself, Dal? I probably uh, share a lot of similarities with that um, when we're thinking about like the API products that we're creating and fundamentally just the API capabilities that we're trying to build. It really is about trying to conceptualize the experience for the product users and those product users are kind of third-party developers people who are outside of our organization who are trying to build their own tools their own services their own products but leveraging our platform so it's again one step removed from the end user but the user you're you're building for is a developer so 
similar to Pete, it's a lot less time spent with, or no time spent with really uh, any kind of designers because the user experience is a different type of user experience when you're thinking yeah. about developers and like the themes <coughs> of things that I'm focused on is how do I build APIs with our engineers that focus on flexibility, uh, focus on kind of kind of this intuitive um, kind of commonality across different APIs. So it's easy for somebody to know when I'm looking at one or many of your services, I understand kind of automatically without really having to spend a huge amount of time what I'm supposed to do with them. And then probably the third thing is really starting to think about like the ease of implementation. So how well can somebody kind of go from nothing to kind of hello world, I've built a new application on top of your platform and obviously, that's one of the things we're trying to build and get better and better and better at, which is can we start to provide more and more tools alongside the kind of the core capability? Because that's like the foundation of we want to provide like uh, a capability to connect to our platform or to connect to other applications within the industry or to, to consume uh, insights that, that Pete's uh, producing in his world. But alongside that, it's all about that developer user experience to make that to make our platform yeah. as easy to work with as possible. And I think those are the the big immediate differences. And uh, you might just turn around and say, well, within API products or within our platform, there's no real user design or there's no UX uh, kind of um, design experience or anything like that. But there actually is. You've got to focus on a different type of uh, user experience um, for that type of product. Yeah. And how do you how do you both get into this area? Because obviously we've been speaking to other product managers around the business as part of the the roadmap podcast, but um, this is very distinct areas that you two work in. So how did you how do you find yourself in this place? Do you want me to take, take yeah. it first? Yeah. You go for um, it. So uh, I think I mentioned um, in response to the last question that um, I started off working on what you would consider more traditional type type products. Um, and, but I was um, I did a few years working in on uh, products that were aimed at, um, at our retailer customers. Yeah. So retailers looking to uh, to source and sell cars to to consumers. Um, and I, I worked in I worked in that space for a good couple of years. And then one of the big uh, projects that um, I, I I worked on was um, products called Retail Check and Retail Accelerator. Um, and they're very data heavy products. Right. Um, they help retailers. To you know, make sure they're sourcing the right cars, pricing them well, uh, helping them sell them faster, understanding you know how they can manage margin, all of that type of uh, good stuff, and um, that was kind of a natural doorway then into um, as we shifted as Auto Trader as well in terms of moving away from just purely building software products, and actually we've got all of this data capability for some of our customer base. It's um, the our software tools that aren't there kind of the most convenient access route for them to, to this to, to this data. Um, they, may, they may have their own development teams, they build their own products, yeah. they've got their own tools that they use internally. Um, but we don't want to kind of exclude them from all of the kind of great data and insight and things that, that we were working on. So um, as we started to make that shift internally within AutoTrader to say it's less about necessarily always using the software tools that we build, um, we can enable capabilities that you can take advantage of within your own products. So that made that was kind of a natural shift alongside as, yeah, as, yeah. as Auto Trader shifted, my career kind of shifted with yeah. it. So that I moved out of just purely working on data and insight tools as in software and actually more into 
just what our data capability is as AutoTrader and whether you choose to access that through an API or you choose to use it within a software tool that we build. Um, I was kind of in, became involved in kind of yeah. both of those worlds. And is that where you then sort of joined this party as well, Dell, or were you already working in the platform space? Uh, I think in terms of, yeah, there's a, a very clear intersection between like what I work on and kind of uh, what Pete's responsible for. Uh, I think my journey um, was probably maybe about five, six years back, maybe even longer than that. Um, before we even had any kind of notion of a platform capability, and to Pete's point, we were kind of focused on building tools within our own kind of wall garden. So there, everything that we had was tools that we built that we wanted to ask retailers to come and use our stuff. We almost kind of wanted to own the, the, the dealer desktop that we used to, used to describe that way. Um, but like my journey kind of kicked off when we almost like were pivoting away from wanting to build lots of different dealer websites that we had. We had a, had a whole brand that was focused on kind of building dealer websites and other kind of search marketing things that we used to do like way, way, way back. Um, and I think it was probably 2016 when um, our CTO was kind of exploring if we were to build an API gateway and we were to almost expose one of our core capabilities, which was our search platform, which un- like underpins the core search experience for AutoTrader, would that would people go and build on top of that to yeah. create their own um, online experiences that then almost pivots away from the dealer website, the SaaS type uh, dealer website products that we used to build. And we explored that, we experimented with it. We knew there was some uptake from certain retailers who wanted to run towards, I can have the best of both worlds. I can leverage your capability, but I can build what I want. Yeah. And that removes the onus from us of having to maintain lots and lots of bespoke things, which we just really didn't really want to do. So that was kind of the first foray. And that kind of goes to Pete's point about there is more of a, a recognition or a start to be a recognition that there's ways in which we can reduce friction in how retailers operate in almost providing a pathway or a platform for them to kind of leverage what they already do and what they already use and tools they already have but still utilizing what's kind of unique and kind of core to us. So I think that was like the first foray to build an API platform was our search service. And we just extended from there to almost kind of just adding more and more and more and exposing more and more capabilities to help retailers ultimately manage their forecourt, build kind of their own online search experiences, their own websites and whatnot. But I think from the forecourt management side of things, um, that's where the intersection starts to come in with Pete's world because yeah. in that period where we're saying we want to just allow retailers to have the flexibility of use our tools or use your own tools, we give you the means of accessing our data wherever you is most convenient. Um, that really kind of runs towards that drive of we want to expose our data to make people or to enable people to make better decisions. But ultimately, we want to try and remove the friction of how customers operate because if we can reduce that barrier, we can reduce the overhead of completing task A, B, and C. Yeah. It's all the better for the industry. And moving that way, is there any like new risks or, or new opportunities that spring to mind that you've had to start to like double down on focusing on particular areas or has it been a, has it been a smooth pass, especially yourself, Pete, moving away from, you know, developing a portal UI and creating a service instead? Um, yeah, I mean, there's <clears> definitely, <throat> there's both, yeah, there's opportunities and, and risks and, um, you know, it's something that we've over the years we've talked about quite a lot, and it's not always it hasn't necessarily been a, a clear path of like okay, we're just doing everything through APIs. Yeah. Um, and it's been um, a bit of a balancing act, really, because w- what we're trying to do is 
Um, you know, we, we've almost come from a, a software first um, approach where uh, we we had our own software tools. They were established. They're in the market. There's 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 tons of customers using them. Um, but as 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 Dell was just saying there, we had this. There is there was always that friction there for some customers. For some customers, it's great. It's really convenient using AutoTrader software tools. Um, it's where they want it. It's where yeah. they spend most of their day. That's absolutely fine. But we, there was always a pocket of customers. Um, and it was a significant number where it's like, I'm already logging into 10 systems a day to do all the tasks that I need to do. I'm trying to, you know, run a car dealership, bike dealership, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, you're just adding a another point of friction uh, into my day. I, I get the value in what you're delivering. I really want access to it, but I want access to it over here just because um, it makes it quicker and easier for me. And I'm already in there in, in whatever system it might be doing these other jobs. So it just makes sense more convenient and so on um but we had to that was a, that was a challenging transition for us because we we'd gone from um having full control effectively over yeah. the user experience you know we're we're going all the way from uh say we're developing a new a new metric you know it's something that we're we think can really help users it might be how fast we think a car is going to sell for example from a from a specific location that's one of the, the kinds of metrics that we do um in the in the old world we would build that metric and we would do, spend loads of time trying to understand right okay what's the right way to present it so that users know how to use it they understand it they can uh, they can make better decisions off of it and 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 use the information in the right way and when you make that bit of a pivot to say actually we're not going to make you come into our domain to actually access this information we're going to make it broadly available to you yeah. so you can access it wherever wherever you like you give up some of that control yeah. um, and that does introduce risks because at, at the end of the day it's it's still our name against that that whatever data and insight it is that's that's being consumed by the end user but there's now another um another layer potentially it could be a middleware provider who yeah. offers you know run, actually runs the, the the software that the the, the end user is using um, and if they don't um present the information in the right way or um they may be utilizing a way that we wouldn't advise um then ultimately the, the customer is still still a reflection on auto trader so um that's where it's been a bit of a risk in terms of just oh giving up giving up some of that control whenever you yeah. give up a little bit of control it's yeah, always yeah. a little bit yeah uh, nerve-wracking so that's definitely been been a risk but the opportunity has been on the flip side to that has been you know the opportunity to uh, reach more customers uh, have our you know the the the, the really um the really cool kind of data and insight that we can build that we, we, we genuinely believe can really help retailers, you know, being able, the opportunities to be able to give that to them in a really convenient way yeah. where they're going to use it and it's going to become more of their, their day to day. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, they've, for, for me anyway, they've been kind of the biggest yeah. kind of risks. Of, and and of I totally cases. agree with that. And I think from the risk side, it's almost, you go from the way you described it, full control. And I think even in the earlier days and probably, it's something we're still working through now where you transition to the the flip side of well completely democratize all control of like how people use it but then i think we're trying to find that happy medium and work towards a way of you expose it but how do we start to put the relevant i won't say guardrails but like guidance frameworks in place where when it's utilized it's utilized how we expect it to be utilized yeah. and that's just a, a balance and act and i think something that's going to be an ever evolving uh piece and I think the one other bit of uh, control, which is like the layers in between you and the end user, because obviously we're talking about you might have one intermediary, 
but it could be many layers of intermediaries. I've already, I already know of a, a scenario where we've got our data going to one platform, who's then exposing to another platform, who's then exposing to another end user. So it can go, in, it can cascade through many layers. Yeah. Particularly as what we're doing now in terms of building like platform level APIs, lots of other businesses are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. The theme generally is about how do you create better connectivity within our industry and all industries because everybody's trying to drive out cost of lots of systems and lots of processes and inefficiency in how people do what they need to do. So uh, I think that's part of the risk. But then again, the the double-edged sword is the opportunity um, that comes from that. And I think as well as reaching more, uh, more of our traditional customers, I think it's reaching new customers. I think when we start to talk about or consider the segments that we are almost like branching into without really having to go heavyweight trying to spend loads of time and resource to go and break down doors like insurance in finance and whatnot we've got lots of ways in which we're exposing our capabilities in those segments from things that we've already built for retail and that's part of the the beauty of for me for apis that it provides that level of flexibility that you're solving for one problem but that same capability can be utilized in lots of novel ways in lots of different yeah. areas and i think that's the other part of the the opportunity is the innovation yeah and we've been talking about that recently that as people want to start to do maybe some things that we hadn't considered with our own data and, and our insights you might say oh actually that's a that's a really cool idea that might be something that we want to yeah <laughs> we want to borrow and, and if we and we got to a point where with some of our products that where is we're thinking api first so is it is it still we, we have the UI and then we think about what the external API could be. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely, um, we launched um, some new capability in our valuations uh, last year um, and that went API first. So that was that was available through our APIs before it was available within um, our own software. And there was, a few, there was a few reasons why we took that decision, but one of them was because we know, um, you know, once we make something available, um, externally there's then those external parties who need they need to take advantage of that so there's like a bit of a runway time where they need to understand what the data is yeah um work with where the guidance we provide as Delsa. so that's something we're doing more and more of where we're, we're giving that guidance on this is how to get the most out of this this new capability or this new data that we've made available um and so by the time that they've done that and then we've built it into our own software you're almost you're almost hitting the market at the same time yeah. effectively but um, it was a you know that's an example of where things have been available in the API yeah. uh, API first, um, and I think it goes into the the way that we are starting to approach things as well. Whenever we're talking about developing new products or new capabilities, we're, we're, we're always thinking now as like okay, and how would this be uh, exposed externally for somebody else to take advantage of, um, and that's happening earlier and earlier and earlier in our thinking. Yeah, um, so it's. It's it's definitely been a shift. Yeah. yeah. And is that where you two now, I'm not going to like you say like Markham and Wise or any sort of uh, crazy <laughs> double act, but is this where you like more and more you seem to be working together? Is it because of that we're getting parity in terms of thinking about the API so much earlier in the sort of the conceptual side of thinking what new products or data attributes we might be? I, th- I think by the nature of our, our two domains that... Um, there is almost like we described at the outset, we're both a little bit one step removed from the end user, but have to consider all those same uh, types of 
problems about what might that experience look like both in our tools and in the external tools and i think the power of our data is becoming more and more of like a key currency for us as a business that it absolutely feels like um it's the cornerstone of why we're overlapping so much i mean we, we described like this is almost this intersection between my me in, in my area kind of focusing across all the different apis across lots of different domains whether it be our data and insights or uh stock system or our vehicle data system or our what we're now building around uh digital retailing and almost that kind of that omni-channel experience there that's the span the, and the horizontal view of all of the capabilities we have as a business that we want to externalize and pete's like really kind of focused on the data side and i think that intersection really is like super complementary um for us don't know whether you agree yeah, I think um, so. I, I rely on on Adele a lot for um, understanding how uh, something that I'm working on, something that I'm looking to do and, and achieve through the APIs, is how that might fit with other, you know, all the other parts of AutoTrader who might also be looking to. It. So, Dell almost acts as like the uh, I don't want to call you the gatekeeper, but <laughs> uh, he's certainly the uh, he's certainly he's got that view of everything that's happening broadly across the API and can think about that API design and what somebody's looking to do over here and what I'm looking to do um, and how they might fit together. So, you know, we're not going off in in loads of different directions and ultimately it comes back to, like, um, as Del was saying, you know, we've got external developers who are almost our customers and and, and end users. So he's thinking around, okay, how might we bring these various elements together to make it as simple, easy to use, so that it's, you know, it's as easy to to work with as possible and, and... that's not necessarily something that I would have a great view of because I, I, I'm very focused on on um, whatever the priorities are that that, that um, I'm looking to achieve. Uh, yeah. With um, so it's almost like I've got like a really kind of deep view on something that yeah. might be happening at a given point in time, and Dell's got that broader overview. So I can go to him and say, "This is what we're looking to do. This is what we're looking to achieve. This is how we want to make it available to customers. This is how they can benefit from it." And then I can work with Dell to kind of figure out, okay. What might that look like? What, what, how might that fit with everything else that that we've got going on? Yeah. And how does it how does it all fit together in terms of the sort of Rick? We talked about it's different skill sets in a certain way, and your your career journeys have been different and have have branched out. So how do you then play this back back into the rest of the sort of the product and tech community so that there's a there's a broader awareness of it? I think it's with anything there is obviously that creeping towards a, a way of working and, and i think the direction of travel for the business in terms of like strategic priorities there is a definitely a heavy focus on our data and insights and our platform as key enablers for meeting all of our broad business goals so i think with that in mind there is a, a there is naturally going to be a shift in terms of all of our product colleagues and the way we have to appreciate and think about not just the tools that are delivered through or our data and our capabilities delivered through our own tools and our own specific products. But what does that experience mean and look like for other third-party tools and applications and whatnot? Because as we're trying to build that overarching, better connected automotive ecosystem, that's a consideration that everybody will have to start factoring in. And I think that's already happening. Um, like, Like Pete described that much earlier on, conceptualizing this is what it means for our tools but this is what it also might mean for third parties and again not everybody's going to be 
uh, or have or need to have the same level of expertise or probably depth that Pete has in from a data perspective or I have in our APIs. But I think broadly, if people are more kind of cognizant of this is what our data means and this is what our platform needs to think about, just broadly, I think that that is what would help and I think it's already happening. Yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna just gonna add to that. There's almost like there's there's two um there's kind of two approaches that we've kind of taken to date. One has been around an awareness piece um, and making sure, you know, the other product leads across the business are aware that APIs are available and actually that they, they know they can take advantage of it because it could be, it could help them solve some problems. Yeah. Or, or so what? like, as, like we mean to use them as internal services, that could type of stuff, do you mean? Or? And they might have particular uh, product challenges. They might be having having some of that friction with the end user and it's like, the API could play a part here, oh, helping right, you solve yeah. that. So yeah. it's making sure that they're aware it's there yeah. and it's, there isn't the opportunity for them to take advantage of it. Um, and the other has almost been like playing, almost like playing a bit of a consultancy type role. So I'm, I, I might not be leading on a particular uh, product that might be another product lead within AutoTrader, but they might come to to me or to Dell to say, um, "This is what we're thinking about doing. This is the product concept." You know. Um, we know we need to think about API, but we're not quite sure what we need to think about with the yeah. API. And then you can give that, as Dell says, they don't need that to know, have that deep level of, of knowledge of how everything within the APIs and, and data space might be working. But we can we can give them enough that they can uh, and and help support them so that they can make sure that um, that that's not forgotten about and doesn't become you know doesn't become an issue uh, down the road. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that it's, there's there's definitely the awareness thing up front of making sure everybody knows it's it's there and then. Um, the other part to it is, yeah, he's just been on hand to, to offer that support. Yeah. And Pete, you've talked a lot about retailers, but from Dell, from your perspective, what, what kind of third parties or people do you work with outside of Hot Trader, the particular, like you mentioned insurance companies, what kind of yeah other technology providers do you work with? Well, at the, at the moment, it's primarily um, going to be uh, third-party providers for retailers. That's that, the vast majority of... Yeah the people who are integrated to our services. But like I said before, it extends to other segments. So we've got a bunch of insurers that integrate um, our data, our, our wonderful data that Pete curates um, into all sorts of processes, <coughs> primarily claims. There's one example where our valuations, our provenance data, our vehicle identification data, access to our search service to find evidence helps with a total loss claims process. So they can just have one source of well-trusted, accurate information that has just like rapidly improved the speed at which uh, an insurer can complete their claims process, underpinned by an accurate evaluation that's derived from our marketplace, with additional evidence of these other comparative vehicles to, for a consumer to, to replace. And all of that is kind of a simple set of APIs that we've already built, that was built primarily for retailer third parties but leveraged by by insurers and drastically reduce the overhead that a given insurer has to kind of have uh, in place in terms of process and people to deliver that experience and how much do you how much do you get involved with the actual tech implementations like the third party does you get involved with the third party dev teams or is it very much hand over here's the documentation uh, here's the the portal the guidance so, like, rolling back a few years, I was a lot more involved, like, a lot more hands-on in terms of the implementation because, one, we had fewer APIs and we had a lower volume of third-party integrations or integrations. Um, so there was, while it was, a board, while it was, while it was newer, 
there was definitely a need for me to kind of get closer to how people were using our services. But as time's gone on, we've kind of broadened the span of our services. We've kind of built a team that is there to support our technical account management team, there to support partners, integrate our services. And I kind of take a step back from the, like, the implementation itself, but I still have a view of how well our developers able to integrate our services. And I think yeah. that's kind of a, like a bit of a litmus, te- litmus test um, for me in terms of how well we're executing that. And I'm not going to lie, like there's always ways in which we can improve and additional tools we can build and um, process that we can streamline to make that journey from first seeing this is what our APIs are to almost building an actual production tool. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's like a, a huge area of opportunity for us. But like personally, like I've, I've stepped back a, a little bit. Okay. I just think it gives you talked both about your like sort of a year and quite specialist and into specialist domains. What about the, the tech guys you work with? Are they, are they in this specialist domain as well? Or is it something that we have specialist teams that are double down on this? Or is it people moving in and out working on them? Do you want to take it? <laughs> um, <laughs> It's a tough one. It's a tough question to answer because um, it, it can vary. Um, when we get into some of our more kind of data science heavy type stuff, um, a lot of the really complex stuff, then the, you're absolutely talking about specialist people. Yeah, yeah. People have been brought in to, to, to help us, you know, um, deliver that kind of capability. Um, sometimes where it's taking something which is a bit more mature it's something that we've had maybe for a while and we're looking to repurpose it use it in a different way maybe add it into an existing product um that can sometimes be um a little bit of just bringing people in and and um upskilling them and and also taking advantage of uh, the skills that they've got so for example if we're looking to repurpose some existing data and insight um, into an existing product. If you've got people who already work on that product, already understand it really well, yeah, understand yeah. the code base. Yeah. Um, we, we've actually been trialing. We, we did this for the first time, I think it was about January 2022. Um, and we saw an opportunity to say, we've got, rather than just kind of have um, um, what we, we typically call the more kind of uh, back-end development happen, um, and then pass that over to uh, the product team. Why don't we actually take people from each of the teams and bring them together? Yeah. Um, and we did that on a, on a project that ran for about five months. It was about a five-month project. Um, and yeah, that, uh, we got some really good, good feedback of that. And, and what we actually found is there was like our back-end kind of people, uh, they upskilled in terms of their ability to work with some of our UI frameworks and things like yeah. that and vice versa. So there was just, a, I think uh, the people who, who took part in that project got a better appreciation of the skill sets that yeah, yeah. others have. Um, and um, f- off the back of that, actually one of our developers who was more in the kind of data science world um, really enjoyed the front, the front, more front end UI focus work and has now made that shift permanently yeah. and moved over. So you know, he's giving people broader opportunities. Yeah. The reason I ask is because just like this is going back, back in the back in the day, back in the nineties, <laughs> where I used to work, like there wasn't APIs, it was like EDI, you know, like data transfers. But we had a specialist team, yeah. which was great because I was in it. But actually, 
it became really frustrating because you never got to see any of the stuff the user interface type builds and likewise they'd never come into our world so you be, you, fre- you became very distinct work streams that yeah. never really collaborated so like Dell on the sort of more the API development is that again is that something that is broadly lots of dev teams are getting involved with on the external side or is it more they're building the internal services and then externally we've got a team that are looking at how they expose that out I think that is just generally the pattern because obviously we've got like a, a very um, focused and clearly articulated microservice kind of architecture within our business anyway. So like building APIs, internal APIs, it's just a, a common practice yeah. for us and has been for a while. And I think that hasn't changed. I think the focus in terms of creating those external services has definitely been concentrated in, in one group. Um, but like to Pete's point, it, it's just it's back-end developers, but... They've, I think even from inception, it's been the same group that's always been thinking about external APIs. And I think that because of uh, maybe that legacy of always having that mindset, it just made sense just to say, well, let's just kind of keep it with that, with that group. But fundamentally, it's the same set of principles, whether it's internal or external APIs. Um, so I don't think it would matter. Yeah. Um, I think just for simplicity. And do you feel like the pair of you, again, it's more like going from my experience, whereas I, I think I'm sort of an honorary member, very loosely connected to engineering, because once in the day I, I coded in Powerhouse, which is like, again, in 1997. So how, how close do you feel like to the engineering community? Because obviously your products are very technical. Oh, <laughs> an interesting one. I think uh, I wouldn't say we're like, uh, well, me personally, anyway, I wouldn't say I'm like an interloper to the engineering <laughs> community, but I think I could uh, sit there quite comfortably in terms of understanding the domain and what they're doing. But no, I, like jokes aside, like I think that's one of the areas where our part of domains, you have to be strong in really kind of understanding the challenges that those engineers have to face and really working closely with them to yeah. kind of get the deliverables that, kind of we're looking for and i think that's a real close proximity for us as whereas like maybe other product leads might have that same proximity with designers and that design community i think it's different for us i don't know whether you'd agree um yeah i think it is a little bit different i think you can't help but um kind of absorb some of it yeah Yeah. um you know it's the team that uh, i work on quite a close-knit team um loads of different engineering skills within that team and you know when you're in that environment day in day out it's hard not to uh, yeah. to pick things up as you go um i think um it'd be nice to um to to think that they their your engineering colleagues kind of trust you to give to act as a proxy for them if you're in a setting where something's being discussed and maybe engineering um the, uh, isn't involved in that particular session that that they trust that you're thinking about um, the potential implications f- for okay. them and what they might need to do, and I yeah. think, I think um, that's where we can um, where we can kind of build build that type of relationship with yeah. with the engineering communities. That you know we're not we're not signing them up for something which is going <laughs> to ruin their lives for the next nine months. Um, what he said. <laughs> so uh, so I think that yeah I mean that there is a, there's um, and it's nice to feel that you've got that kind of trust yeah. and. Um, and, and that works both ways as well, so that when we're coming to them with a problem, you know, that they're, they're, they're approaching it in, in in the way where we're kind of, we're in this, to, you know, we're in this together type thing. It's yeah. like, it's, and the feedback that I get is, um, 
um, is that that's really appreciated. I think it just garners like greater ownership across the team. Yeah, it's like it's not the product leads product; it's the team's product yeah. that we're, we're all responsible for. So I think I think there are definitely benefits to um, to the relationship that you build up uh, yeah. with your folks in engineering. And I mean, Dale, we were talking about like the end user is developers when they're they're integrating with the external API. So do you feel that that having a tight bond with engineering means that when you are liaising with other engineering teams that it comes a little bit more natural rather than feeling forced? Totally, because I think um, in almost working closely with the engineers of building our own external APIs, you are almost empathizing with the engineer on the other side of the screen that's going to have to interact with your API and making sure whatever we're building makes that job as easy as possible and that's a constant bit of feedback or or feedback loop that we that we that we have because like i said before there's always room to improve but that's an area of improvement of how do we make it easier simpler quicker to kind of intuitively know what to do with our services without having a laborious process of i've got to talk to loads and loads and loads of people to kind of get anything done yeah Uh, i'm not saying we're there yet but i think that natural empathy for what both our internal teams have got to be able to build i think to pete's point like you said it perfectly of almost that appreciation of the challenges they've got to face and almost baking that into your thinking of how you want to approach or think about approaching solving a problem um that really cascades into the way we present and design our apis because i know we've had definitely had feedback that um we've got some really kind of well-structured well-designed intuitively simple and coherent services and that's a great bit of feedback and i think it's a great um kind of compliment to our engineering team and also like across the business in terms of we've got to have built like really high quality services internally if we're going to produce high quality services externally so um i I think yeah it's just a natural positive kudos to everybody was there like an aha moment on stuff like this because again i'm going back to did some stuff years ago with the NHS and it wasn't until I actually went and sat down with the people developing the NHS systems then you go, oh, I can see why you're struggling now. Like, because you went and put yourself in their shoes and it's like, yeah, I get it. It's That is tough. It's not explained properly. Was there, have either of you had an aha moment where you've gone, oh, right, that now makes sense, especially around the when you've pivoted into this area? Or is it, it was always there I knew from the beginning? Um, so I think um, a, a good example I wouldn't say I think maybe the one advantage that we have um, is that because we haven't pivoted it, it's not like a, a one or the other situation we haven't just gone right okay it's all API so we're not going to yeah. do software we, we still very much do our own software products um, so we get to do a lot of discovery through that process and learn a lot which allows us to give that guidance to external yeah. people so I think that's a nice balance. So it's less of maybe the example that you gave there. But one thing that I learned was when I first made this pivot um, and we had like this objective to make one of the products that I was responsible for, we want to create an API version of it. And I think back to that, what that API looked like. And it's, we would never build that today. It was cringeworthy. It was like, we basically designed the API almost as like a replica, a replica of <laughs> software that we'd built. Yeah. Cause we didn't, we weren't thinking of it. Or certainly I wasn't thinking of it from the mindset of, it's about enabling the capability and not just like being overly prescriptive. Um, so that that comes back to that point earlier about control. And I hadn't learned that lesson yet around 
this is you've got to think slightly differently it's, yeah um and yeah it'll be less kind of restrictive around it it was a very restrictive kind of design the way right. that, that they say it, we, it's not live anymore this api dell built something way better um uh, but the um but that was a that was that was a really big learning curve because it was like it was like it it I mean, it worked to a degree because it, it kind of did what it said on the tin, but that's yeah. all it could do. Yeah. And I think what we've tried to do now is, is as I think uh, Del mentioned before, people are coming up with novel ways to utilize stuff where we're actually thinking, oh, it's not something we'd considered. Yeah. So trying to, trying to, instead of trying to approach it thinking we've got all the answers, um, it's been, that, that's definitely been a bit of a learning curve. And that, yeah. that, was, that was really right at the start of when I very first pivoted into even having to worry about APIs. Um, so that was definitely a, an aha moment for me. Right. I think there's probably a, a couple of aha moments that I can think about. Um, like for me personally, and, and I'd probably consider maybe one for the business. So personally, I'd say that aha moment was right at the early, early, early stage in my, my career, like working with closely with uh, kind of external APIs. And I think that scenario was almost we we were early in the the days where we built our search service and we thought like this is a novel idea for probably for retailers and in in my mind it probably would stay within that that boundary of there'll be certain mid-sized retailers that might kind of run towards this but maybe the bigger beasts still want to stay with their kind of well tried and tested SaaS solutions that yeah rest a uh, risk averse let's put it that way and the aha, the aha moment of the power of our services was when we pitched to BMW about shifting from their monolith um, SaaS platform, where they always complained that the data in it was wrong, the, the process of getting it changed was like tedious, and they had no control in their uh, consumer experience because it was a SaaS platform that was uh, almost signed off from Munich, that the whole EMEA region was using this provider. So they wanted to pivot. The UK's national sales company wanted to pivot and have more control, have better quality data that they could have a hand in. And we just suggested a novel solution about, well, why not integrate your core factory build data into our platform? We can expose in our search service and you can use your design agency that does lots of other creative, wonderful things for you to build you a user experience. And they did it. And that was like, oh, I was not expecting that to happen. Yeah. I was not expecting somebody of that size to take the risk. And they built something pretty good. And then that just kind of built that domino effect of more and more people think, oh, okay, actually, this is a viable thing we can do. And again, that was like probably like five, six, maybe even seven years ago. Um, and I think that was like an aha moment that there is legs in this. That was like the thing for me. And I think the other probably more recent aha moment, maybe for the broader business, was the importance of um, kind of real-time connectivity. So thinking about the, the, the broader initiative that we've got going on now, the big long-run initiative of how do we support like, digital retailing, omnichannel retailing for the industry, Having knowing the fact that used vehicles, particularly used vehicles, are individual items that you, when you're trying to almost support some sort of selling online to a degree you have to really have a strong understanding about the availability of that vehicle. It's much more important than any other kind of e-commerce platform where you have multiples of the same product. And I think as we started to try and experiment uh, with our early propositions there, 
the real aha moment was the important the sheer importance of making sure that we had as great a view of real-time availability of retailer inventory either using our tools or third-party systems or retailer systems integrated into our stock api and i think that was like a big aha moment says like this is really 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 fundamental in terms of where we want to kind of go moving forward um so yeah probably two examples cool sounds good cool and if you're looking at like so forget auto trader for a minute and you're looking outside either um other platforms or big data providers anybody that you like admire might be in a completely different vertical that you go oh they do that really well and actually i like the the way they're presenting their their platform solutions anyone you look at or from a data side that you go oh i like a bit of that uh from a platform perspective i think um not like I, not like I'm an engineer and have integrated myself with any of these services, but in terms of trying to think about the things that I'm trying to do for our end users, um, what I can see from these platforms, so the likes of Slack, where I can see they've got some, they've got a real suite of various different services, but the way they present their documentation, the way they provide the relevant resources um, and guides to help people, kind of envisage this is the what i can do with these resources the way you can go and test and play around with their services um even without like like for a novice like me um because i'm not an engineer um you can almost get a feel for if that wasn't clear (laughs) so dale's just saying he's definitely not an engineer um you can get a feel for what they do so i think that that really is good and i've definitely heard lots of good things about um the likes of stripe and twilio have got kind of really powerful uh, APIs as well as great uh, experiences uh, for developers. So I think that's the, always that like acid test of powerful capability, but a real focus on the user experience, but the developer user experience. I think yeah. that's the the, the So those are the kind of places you go for a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. Again. yeah. What about yourself, Pete? Any places you go and look for inspiration? Um, Apart from manunited.com? <laughs> I wouldn't go there for inspiration at the minute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, um, trying to think if there's any specific examples, but there are, there's certain times when you're using, um, and it can be out actually outside of your day job, you know, you know, booking a holiday or whatever it might be. And you you know, when you're on a platform where it's just, it's pulling data from all the, all different places and it's just really slick. It's really easy. It's really quick. Uh, really, you know, there's no friction there. And, and that, it's when you you know when you're using one of those yeah, you get yeah. that feeling of like yeah. this is so easy like this yeah. is a really good uh, a really good e- example what, of of what they've done and so it's it's look it's more looking at stuff like I'm thinking about how can we do that for the auto industry it's like that's that's where you know as Dell says like as we as we move towards like things like omnichannel retailing and things like that that stuff becomes really like super important in terms of the 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 nuts and bolts of how it works behind the scenes but also if you can imagine like a, a car buying experience where it's as slick as that and it's you know it's maybe telling you the mot status of the vehicle you know the history of it yeah you know so you know you know it's a really you know it's a really good i mean all of this data comes from different people you know you've got the dvla the smmt all of these different uh, organizations all the various insurers finance lenders all, all of these different places where all of this information is and as you as a consumer can go through that experience and all of that information is there. It's digestible. It's presented in the right way. It's delivered to you at the point that you need it. Um, 
and we're doing you know it's it's that kind of duck analogy where you as the consumer you, you, yeah. you know you're using yeah. it uh, auto traders underneath like paddling yeah. away because <laughs> we're, we're we're worrying about the complexity for you yeah. i think that's um I think that's the type of thing that you look at and you think about as Dell says the things we're looking at about with digital retail in a minute and you're thinking you know there's a real opportunity there to uh, to do that kind of Airbnb yeah. you know the, the, there's people who do it super super well yeah. Um, and yeah it's um, sometimes it can be a little scary as well like you, I don't know if you guys have done this where you go to you go on a website and then you uh, it, it knows stuff about you and you're like how do they know that <laughs> you know it's a little bit scary but it's really cool as well because it usually sell, it saves you a ton of time yeah. and it usually ends up you know you end up with a really good quick user yeah. experience you know it's probably talking to Google or something like that but you go on to yeah. something you're like oh it knows loads about you know about there's, there's definitely a talk about privacy and yeah. stuff like that in the future <laughs> oh totally yeah. it, it's, uh, it's great but it's scary yeah it's great but it's scary and yeah. it's uh uh, so it, it, yeah it's that type of stuff where you think oh this is whoever's done this has done a yeah. really good job on it's it it's when they start telling you your waist size where you're going by <laughs> size 32s it's like size 32s Pete I'm sure you're size 34 <laughs> anyway well, thanks for that gents that was been a, a cracking time on the couch thanks um, for having us yeah no thanks for uh, joining and thanks for listeners tuning in again next episode will be coming up soon laters <laughs> <laughs>